Hey guys, Joe Miles here with ICO Gear. This is the Mission Whitetail Podcast. We're going to be doing a deep dive into what it truly takes to kill these mature bucks. We're going to step outside the box and look at the why for gear, tactics, training, and more importantly, the mindset from over 35 years of chasing these magnificent animals all over North America. Thank you for following along and welcome to Mission Whitetail. All right, guys, Mission Whitetail, welcome back, everybody. Got my buddy Andy May today. Andy has been on a couple of the Mission Whitetail podcast, and he is a bow hunting nut, a whitetail assassin, <laughs> one of one of the best in the business from Michigan. And I'm I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you've heard of Andy May before. But um, Andy, man, heck of a season. You, you killed, you knocked down some good deer. Oh man. Yeah, it was a good season. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Um, got some, uh, great whitetail hunting in, had some success, uh, got to go to some new places, new species, new adventures. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I live for, you know, just constantly experiencing new things, um, you know, new challenges, uh, I've really like the last couple of years, I've really started to think more about other species besides just whitetail and, and mule deer and antelope and uh, was able to, you know, complete some of those goals. And and man, there's a, there's a, all kinds of other hunting out there. That's just so much fun. So I'm excited. It was a good year. I was really happy with the way, um, the way it went, the way I felt throughout the season, you know, stress was pretty low. I was having fun, um, made some great shots on animals, which is like everything to me. You know, I mean that when I can make a really good shot on an animal and, and, and just get a quick clean kill, man, that feels so good. Yeah. You know, and when I, when I don't do that, um, man, I really, it really it's hard because I spend a lot of time, a lot of time, nearly every single day. In fact, right before this call, I was just downstairs, just putting in reps, you know, uh, just down in the basement. A lot of time just making sure I put that arrow right where I want it. And when you do that for a whole year and you're preparing for one shot, one opportunity, and you don't capitalize on that, that's a tough pill to swallow. It, it, you know, it really, it really is, man. You, I mean, you, you, you take into account all of that, but then, then the travel and then getting yourself into a position to, to shoot up, a, a, you know, a, a trophy animal, um, yeah. everything that goes into it. I mean, I, I've got some video clips from back in the day out of ground blinds and stuff where I have, have missed a deer and, and had what, what they call a high speed fall apart, <laughs> throwing <laughs> stuff, tearing blinds apart. Because it is, I mean, you, you, you spend so much time for a, for, for an eight second encounter. I mean, you, you know, I mean, they're all different, but you know, a really short encounter and, and you yeah. do not want to mess that up. Yeah. And it's, it's a hard pill to swallow too, that like you, you always feel, I've always felt like, you know, if I just the, the, the things I even teach my daughter with sports, like if you work hard at this, you can achieve your goals. If you, if you work harder than anybody else. And I've always adopted that mindset in whatever I was focused on. And 
I feel like I work so hard at just being so efficient with my weapon. And then to, then to have that opportunity and you don't come through when I can do it, you know, a hundred times out of a hundred in my backyard, at, you know, all kinds of ranges. And then, you know, it's just like, it's a whole nother deal when that adrenaline's pumping and things are moving fast and there's obstacles and trajectory that you got to think of. And, um, you know, animals move. It's, it's, it is, man. It's a tough pill to swallow. I know it's part of bow hunting and I try my best to just, you know, if those things are going to happen, but man, I beat myself up about it. I try not to like live in that, that disappointment and misery too long because you got to bounce back and kind of, you know, come back from that. But man, it is tough. It's tough when you put that amount of time and effort and then you don't capitalize the way you should. Um, it's kind of like shooting, you know, like my daughter, she's a, a really good shooter and she, she just shoots so much. I mean, she really does. She puts in a lot of work. She'll, she'll, her workout is a hundred threes, a hundred mid range and a hundred free throws. And she, she puts up like Caitlin Clark from Iowa. She does oh, yeah. that same workout and we cut, we've been on YouTube and you can kind of see, you know, what she scores in those. And my daughter, I mean, she's no Caitlin Clark at all, but like, you know, she can shoot. And then, you know, she's knocking down, you know, 66 out of a hundred threes. And then she gets in a game and she misses three of them. And it's just like, man, you know, she, I put in all that work, but what you can't measure with a situation like that, or with bow hunting is like how you actually do it under pressure, Without you know? That. And that's, that's something I'm very real with myself is that I, I, I am not uh, super calm and collective under pressure. And I've killed a lot of animals. You'd think it would be, you know, pretty easy for me, but it's not. I still get jacked up. My heart is still freaking coming out of my throat. And I have to literally, like, focus on following my my breathing rate and lowering that heart rate down and, and, and really trying to stay uh calm and be able to execute a good shot um because i i to this day i get just as jacked up with a big deer or a doe for that matter as i ever have you know if anything maybe even more because i put a little more pressure on myself because i have spent all year yep. trying to perfect my craft you know so. With, without a doubt and 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 you know the the, the same thing is and, and my son, you know, you, you were talking about your daughter and my son is bow hunting now and he, he's been a gun yes. hunter. He, he just turned 20 and this was his first year bow hunting. And, um, I put him in the, the one thing I don't like about that, Andy, is now he wants to be in all my spots and that's not, <laughs> <laughs> that's not real conducive of what I'm trying to do. But, uh, right. and wife is 100% pro Jack. She's on Jack's team. So she, oh, she sure. him in all of my spots. So, so that's kind of funny, but his third or fourth hunt kind of early season this year, he, he shot a buck and called me and I went down there and he, he was sitting on the tailgate of his truck and he was still shaking. And I just, oh, it, it, and we walked in there and I mean, he 10 ringed it. Um, there's a nice, you know, river swamp eight point that, that he shot and, you know, we tracked it 70 yards and it was laying there dead and just seeing his ex expression on that. And, and then, um, was able to take him down to Mexico and, and you know, this late season in December and, uh, he shot another one down there. So he got two this year, but he is, 
100% addicted to it. And we actually, the, the guy that was with him on the Mexico hunt videoed it and, and getting to see him go through his process and how excited he got. Yeah. It, it just, it's man, it's magical. That, that whole, it whole process is, is magical. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, we live for that moment, you know, putting ourselves in that, that high pressure situation where the adrenaline is just running through our veins and, you know, you have to somehow, you know, get your bow drawn back, get steady, and then execute a good, calm, relaxed shot on an animal. And, and, and we only get a certain, you know, maybe one chance at that a year, maybe, you know, maybe a couple if we're really lucky. And uh, I mean, we live for that, that moment. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's so cool to, to hear about your boy. I'm sure he's shaking. I, I'm still the same way. I just, I, I feel bad for people that don't get to experience that. Like I live for that, like put myself in the red zone like that. I, you know, I, I, there's just nothing better. I mean, I literally practice all year just for, like you said, that eight to 10 to 20 seconds or whatever, just to experience that one time and be able to capitalize and there's people out there that don't have that, you know, they don't have a, that passion or, or, or their activity that puts them in that kind of situation. But man, I mean, we're the lucky ones, right? We're, we're, we're hunters, you know, and uh, it's really cool to hear about your boy doing that. Oh that's, yeah. That's yeah. It's, it's good. Yeah. He, he told me, uh, he came at my wife's birthday was Sunday and he came and had dinner with us. And uh, he said, dad, I've, I've finished YouTube. And I said, what do you mean you finished YouTube? He said, I've watched every African bow hunting video on YouTube, every one of them. <laughs> I said, bud, you hadn't finished YouTube, trust me. <laughs> but yeah, he's, uh, I don't know if that was a hint that he was ready to go to Africa or or, or what exactly that meant, but. Um, Sounds like it. Yeah, I'm just excited that, that he's getting into it. it. It's good stuff. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, well, you know, today what I wanted to, you and I visited it was maybe two years ago, year and a half ago on bow setup. And mm -hmm. you know, we, we've talked strategy and all that and beat that up and beat it to death. But um, let, let's talk real specific today on your bow setup, because you're, you're one of the guys that, that really pays attention, test, and you've got to prove it to yourself through your practice and, and through everything that you do, that it's a piece of equipment that you're going to use for that eight second window, that eight to 20 second window. And if it's not going to give you an advantage, I know that Andy May is not going to be using it. So mm -hmm. let, if you don't mind, let's just go through your entire bow setup again. You know, we, we did it a year and a half ago, but I'm sure th some things have probably changed just like with my yeah. setup, things have changed. So I, I'm going to maybe do not, not rapid fire, but I've got a list here of, of some questions for, for okay. white tail bow setup. So let's, let's start with what bow you're shooting now. Okay. Well, I had, uh, I, and I do this every year. I have, I have two bows rigged up, ready to go. Um, both of them are tuned. Both of them are shooting great. And I usually have them set up slightly different. Part of that is because I do think certain hunts, certain scenarios, 
you know, one setup might be optimal, even though I think both of them would work across the board for just about anything. I enjoy doing that. I enjoy setting up two bows. I enjoy trying different um, arrow setups. One is a small compact bow. It's the it's the Matthews Verdicts. I mean, it's several years old. Um, I have not been able to get rid of that bow, um, even with some of the newer ones that have come out that are in that same size range. It's incredibly quiet. I shoot it really well. Uh, the draw cycle agrees with me. Um, it's about as short, as short as I can go with my draw length where I don't get like random flyers. Like I had that Tri-X um, yep. when it first came out. Now, you know, a 28 inch axle to axle and my draw is 30 inches. So, you know, that string angle and I think I was getting a lot of knock pitch. I would, I would, I'd shoot it great, but then, you know, maybe two out of 10, I'd get to these little flyers where my, my pin was on the bullseye, but the arrow would hit here. And I don't like that. You know, no. I know exactly where my pin is when my shot breaks and that's where my arrow needs to go. Assuming, you know, there's not a lot of wind and other factors, but that verdicts, um, I usually set that up as kind of like a more like maneuverable bow. I use a little bit shorter stabilizers on it. Um, I still use a front bar and a back bar, but I shorten them up a little bit more compact, more maneuverable. Um, and then I run a little bit heavier arrow setup out of that one. I'm still what, using uh, what those What is days. it axle to axle, the verdicts? What, what is that? It's, a, it's 30 inches. It's 30 inches, gotcha. Okay. Yep, it's 30 inches. So, um, you know, pretty pretty compact, especially for, you know, a guy my height. Um, but I run uh, a heavier arrow set up with those day six arrows. Um, the, the HDs, which are the, you know, the originals. Um, small diameter, very thick wall, very tough arrows, very durable. Like I don't, I don't ever break them. I've, I've never broken one. Um, two Oh fours. Are you running the two Oh fours or. Yeah. They're, they're a two, they're a two. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a two Oh four outside diameter. Um, and then, but then because of the thicker wall, they take a smaller knock. Gotcha. You get what I mean? Yep. Um, so, uh, but yeah, very tough arrows. Um, probably the best thing about them is their component system. There's a, you know, an in kind of an insert outsert that slides in. And then there's a collar that screws onto that and you can bond it all together and it covers, you know, a good part of the, the front part of the shaft. Very tough. I've never bent those, um, really, really confident in those arrows. And I use, I, this past year, I used that predominantly, uh, you know, the whole season. I used the phase four a, a fair amount too, but like I grabbed that verdicts a lot just because of, you know, hunting from the ground, hunting out of a tree stand. A lot of times that more maneuverable bow is, uh, is optimal, you know. Um, I shoot that, that uh, phase four, it's a 30, uh, 33 inch um i shoot that phenomenal and i have that one set up a little different but this this verdict's you know more maneuverable more compact um with that arrow setup i have 
uh, always two arrows in my quiver with fixed heads. Um, and I have been running those day six Evos and they're a, they're a small fixed head. They got a little bit of a beater, a uh, little bleeder blade on them. They punch a small hole. Um, and I'll be honest, not the best blood trails, but they crush through everything. It doesn't matter what angle that deer is at. It's blowing through it. Yeah. Um, I've blown through both shoulders of, of hogs. Um, I mean, the thing is just, it, it's incredibly tough. And because it's that small kind of two blade with a bleeder, it just, it just splits bone. And that's a huge advantage to have that. I call it, I call it angle forgiveness, meaning it doesn't really matter what angle that deer or animal is. I feel comfortable. I can take the shot and blow right through it. So you think about you're up in a tree stand and you got a deer walking by and he's quarter and two. Well, with my other setup, that's a little lighter and I'm using more of a mechanical big cut. You know, I might not take that shot. I'm going to wait till he turns broadside or quarter and away. But with this setup, it doesn't really matter to me what angle that deer is in. You know, I feel like I can punch through it. Now, I'm not going to take a straight down where I might get one long or something. But you know what I mean? Angle forgiveness. I don't have to be as picky where that deer is standing. And I, I don't, I've never not blown through anything. Even a big old, the biggest body mule deer I've ever killed, I just just blew right through it. You know, quarter away and it blew out that front shoulder on the other side. Um, just incredible. Uh, very, very, very tough. And then I use those fixed heads mostly when I'm ground hunting whitetail. I like to hunt from the ground a lot, um, or I shouldn't say a lot, occasionally. And I do it in a manner of kind of like sort of scouting, sort of hunting, sort of still hunting. You know, I'm moving slow. I'm moving with the wind. I'm moving with the noise of the woods and I'm slipping through the cover. I'm glassing, um, trying to spot something up ahead that I can stalk in on, trying to catch movement before they catch me or trying to slip into an area maybe that's sensitive and I don't want to go in with a tree stand and try to get up in a tree and find a spot. It's more like, you know, bedding area, you know, tight to bedding. I'm slipping in when the conditions are right and I'm going to hunt from the ground and try to catch them totally off, you know, by surprise. And that method is, is so cool. I, I love hunting that way. Um, success rate is, it's kind of like um, high risk, high reward. You know, I, I often am bumping deer, um, you know, unintentionally getting spotted. But at the same time, you know, it seems like every year or every other year I get in, uh, you know, on a really big buck that I couldn't get on any, you know, in another way and get an arrow in them. So, well, and I just different. like, yeah. And I like the skills that it takes to, to do that you have to be incredibly patient you have to move with the forest or with the vegetation and when that wind blows or you're waiting for the ground to be you know damp and soft and it's just like you're kind of just in that rhythm of the woods and, and you're slipping through there undetected it's freaking awesome and when you can pull that off with a bow on a mature animal you know, pretty cool, pretty exciting. Um, uh, my one of my Michigan bucks this year. That's exactly how how I killed him, and I was after him. You know, for for several days. 
But so on the ground, whitetail, I like that fixed head because a lot of times when that shot does happen, they're keyed up, they're on to you. They see something, they turn, they're quartering to, they're facing. So I want something that's going to punch through. Yeah. Um, what weight? Sometimes, what yes. Weight, what weight arrow for that? Yeah, those are those are coming in right at like five twenty five. Five twenty five. Yeah, yeah. So they're you know they got some they got some heft behind them, but it's not too heavy where I still can't. You know, if I need to poke one out there, I can. Yep. Um, but you know that it's it's that that situation of of being on the ground and kind of in their face it is it's tough and i'm not like a small guy i feel like i'm pretty sneaky but i'm you know i got a big tall profile and a lot of times more times than not i'm getting a shot where that animal is looking at me turning quartering to like stands up and then and then you know maybe takes a few steps forward so I need something that punches through where if I had that big cut mechanical, which I do like, I actually prefer those in most cases, I might have to, you know, hold off on that shot. So the other three arrows in my quiver, I'm running a mechanical and that's just for, you know, my typical tree stain hunting. And I'm going to be a little more picky with my shot selection, you know, quartering away broadside maybe slightly quartering too, but that's about it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I experiment with different broadheads cause I enjoy it. Um, I enjoy it. I do a lot of research. I talk to a lot of guys, um, guys that kill a ton of animals like yourself, like Brian Barney, like, uh, you know, some Western guys like Marlon Holden, um, you know, I watch a lot of John Lusk's stuff on YouTube where he, you know, he does some really good broadhead reviews on durability and flight characteristics and sharpness. And then you can kind of start to see after talking to some of these guys and them giving you feedback and, and watching some of these videos and then some of your own experience. There's there's certain ones that just kind of rise to the top that seem to be pretty reliable. And those are the ones I like to try out. And um, I like quiet i like big cut i like good flight characteristics um so i've used the rage tripan a ton like you know the the head that you like um i've used the g5 uh dead meat um i like those too um this year for the first time i used the schwacker uh i i want to say maybe the I can't remember 201 or something but they were the I purposely picked the 1.75 cut just because I know with the schwackers um you know just the way they they open you're gonna maybe not get quite as good of penetration so I didn't want to go to a great big two inch cut so I chose to downsize it a little um I shot a few animals with that and then I also tried out those evolution broadheads. They're called the hide and it's like a hybrid. It's a, a, I think like a three quarter inch fixed head. Then, um, it has two blades that open up out to two inches. Okay. Um, and I shot, a, I shot a bear and a buck 
in a dough with those. Um, all the broadheads performed great. Um, all of them, you know, sh they shoot great, you know, in the backyard. I got, I can shoot out past a hundred yards in my backyard and I'm very picky. You know, if I can't shoot field points and my broadheads at a hundred and get them all in the, you know, in a group, um, I just, I just don't have the confidence in them. And I, it's not like I'm going to, I'm not going to go shoot at something that far, but that gives me confidence that these broadheads are their flight characteristics are such that they are going to eat up some of my imperfections. If I do things right, they're going to hold a tight group. They're not going to catch a lot of wind, but at the same time, if I put it in the spot and with, with mechanicals, I usually try to, you know, aim off that shoulder a little bit long shy. So if I hit those soft spots, it's going to create a lot of damage. And that's what I'm looking for. Durability too is very important. Um, but all those broadheads performed well. I mean, I, I wouldn't say the sample size is, is adequate at all, but those are all ones that people that I trust have used a lot. Yeah. And uh, I don't really have anything negative to say about any of those three, but I did a lot of research narrowing it down to those. Um, yeah. The, I tell you, um, G5, I, they, they've just come out with this. It's going to be ready in May. They've come out with like a souped up tripan. Um, mm -hmm. blades are sharper. I, I just got back from ATA, you know, a couple of weeks ago and met with those guys and it, it's called their T2 is what it's going to be called. It's a, it looks exactly like the tripan. It has the same, um, locking mechanism, if you will, like that ball and socket where it's a no collar type design blades are yep. sharper front is beefed up. It's a little shorter profile. And I, I'm going to get a couple of them here in a few weeks and, and start tinkering around with them. But they'll they'll be for sale in in the end of May, I believe, is when it starts hitting pro shops. But great looking head. It's basically every if you like it was hard for me to pick out things about the tripan that I didn't like. You know, I just liked mm -hmm. everything about that head. But, you know, if, if if they beefed up the tip, the tip would bend a little bit on that hypodermic tip when you'd hit, you know, mm -hmm. heavier bone. The blades weren't always super, super sharp. And, you know, th those are two things that they've done that, that they've just made the tripan better. I, I don't know this to be true, but I think the the patent on the tripan may have run its course or something. So some of those mm -hmm. <clears throat> protected things are up. And so G5 was able to design something very similar without having any patent infringements. And those guys at G5, you know, they're engineers and, and smart cookies. So I'm I'm excited to try those out this year. Yeah, I saw a picture of one and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I, I'll definitely check that one out as well. I, I enjoy it, man. I, I mean, there's a lot to be said to, hey, stick with one bow, one arrow set up you know, because you, you become one with that bow, you, you start to learn that trajectory and, and there's a lot to be said from that, you know, just stick with one setup and one that works and learn it like the back of your hand. And I believe in that, but I, I enjoy trying new things and I enjoy trying to maximize 
accuracy and forgiveness while making my arrow quieter while using a broadhead that can create more damage and trying to you know try new things and and i like being able to talk to people about that it's just the way my brain works and i like being able to give guys that maybe you know haven't tried that stuff honest feedback you know hey i wouldn't you know i would try this or i wouldn't try this um, so I enjoy it, man. It gives me something to do in the off season. It makes me feel like I'm doing something to improve as a, as a bow hunter. Um, and God, I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather go outside and, and test and tinker than I would, you know, go join a bowling league or a golf league. I mean, it's just, <laughs> right. it's, it's fun. It's fun for me. Yeah. You know, I enjoy I, it. I get it. I get it. And it's, it's challenging too. Um, you know, to, to yeah. improve. To put to to draw a bow back and put an arrow right where you wanted it at forty yards, it's challenging, and and repeat it over and over and over again, and and um, yeah, it is. And, and you know when you when you stop, I mean, like if guys went back and listened to our first conversation about this, they're going to already see some things. You know, like with broadheads and arrows that you're doing a little bit different, and it's it's trying to constantly evolve, constantly get better. Um, so yeah. it, it is a it is a it's one of those things where you just can't get stuck in a rut. Um, you know, they, they, they do say, be, be mindful of the man with one rifle, right? Be, be careful. Mm -hmm. That guy knows that rifle and he can shoot it. But at the same mm -hmm. time, you, you've got to evolve. And as technology progresses, you, you know, you, it, it opens up opportunities to be more lethal. And if, yeah. you, if you can be more lethal and, and put the animal down quicker, be more accurate, Sorry. you know, that, Obviously, we, we don't want to go down a rabbit hole on drones and cell cams and all that, you know, technology that's really changing the game as far as a hunter is concerned. But as far as lethality and, and if you can improve that, it, it's definitely worth exploring. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, it's it's very important to me, you know, personally to, to make sure archery stays archery and I know it's changed a lot and we're doing a lot of different things to our bows to make things better, uh, you know, quieter, faster, balance better. Um, but, you know, I still, I, personally, I still think we're at a point where, you know, hunting with a vertical bow is very challenging. Um, yeah, you know, there's guys on TV and you would think that it's super easy to kill a deer at a hundred yards watching some of these guys, but I can assure you it's not there's there's very very few people that can make that shot under pressure or you know 60 yards 70 yards 80 yards whatever it is um and i mean we're not those guys you know i mean some of these guys are the best archers in the world and i don't want to i don't want people to think that that's the goal here is to just shoot farther and farther um in fact my goal is to get closer and closer because I have noticed, yes, I can, I can, I can stretch it out and I can make the long shot, but with that, you know, routinely has become shots where the arrow didn't hit quite where I wanted to, um, more wounded animals, longer blood trails, um, things that don't make you feel good. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's the trend right now is to be able to just, you know, lace them out there at 80 yards or whatever. But, you know, I think that we, 
kind of need to keep that all in perspective and, and archery is about getting close, but yes, anything that can make us more lethal, um, put that animal down quicker, you know, help me make a more relaxed shot, uh, quiet arrows, you know, things like that, you know, little tweaks in the gear that make, um, make it more likely that you're going to put that arrow, as long as you do your part, it's more like a quieter bow, you know, quieter arrow setups, a little more damage in the broadhead. You know, those aren't in big increases in technology where I think we're getting away from archery. I think it's just, we're making the heads a little better. We're making the fleshings a little quieter, but they can still steer. We're making the arrows a little tougher. We're making those components a little stronger. So they're not breaking when you hit something hard. Those are all good things. You Absolutely. know, those are all, those are all Absolutely. good things. So, um, so away from the verdicts, I had the phase four 33. I'll run through that real quick. That is obviously a longer bow 33. And this year in particular, I ran, I, I tried a longer, um, a longer stabilizer setup on it. More like, almost more like you'd see like in a target rig, not quite, not like a 30 inch bar, but I had like a 15 and a 12 um, out the back. And, you know, I had, I think I had four ounces out front, seven ounces in the back. And that thing just, man, man yeah, it, it just, it just balanced really, really well. Um, I mean, I was shooting phenomenal with that. And I ran a lighter arrow setup. Um, I ran, well, throughout the season, I, I kind of flip-flopped between two different arrows. Um, day six came out with a lighter shaft. Um, that one came in right around 450 grains. I liked that. I liked that. Real flat shooting. The arrow seems, you know, pretty tough, good components. So those were good. I was kind of testing those out. And then I had um, those victory rip TKOs that you yep. use. Yep. Um, and those are great too. Um, and I just use the stock, you know, uh, victory components. I've, I've heard some bad things about them. I don't think I've bent any. I didn't see any failures or anything. So those seem like a really tough arrow. They shoot great, super consistent. Um, those were coming in right around 440 grains. So a much flatter shooting, um, a much flatter shooting arrow, you know, more speed. And I was using uh, like a Sever 1.5. Um, I shot my bear with that evolution, with that setup. Uh, but just more of a, more of a, Kind of open i looked at it as more of like an open country you know mule deer maybe kansas whitetail on the ground antelope uh just something you know where i might be presented with a, a little bit longer shot i want a nice heavy bow that's balanced perfectly that just sits there and i can make that shot so i kind of went back and forth between those bows although i use that verdicts a little more um but I don't know. I really like that setup. The downside of it is, um, was my stabilization. Yes. It, it created a very stable platform balanced well, but that's a big, that's a lot of real estate that you got to manage. It's a big footprint in a deer stand. A that's big right. Footprint. Big. Footprint. It, it's a big, it's a big footprint in a deer stand. It's a big footprint just 
slipping through the brush and crawling. And, you know, I went down to Arizona um, for the OTC hunt and that's the bow I took. And, uh, you know, open country, incredibly, incredibly hard hunt, um, but so fun. And just, you know, flipping around that mesquite and, um, you know, just carrying that bow through there. I mean, you, you know, I'm doing this a lot, you know, moving it, maneuvering it around and turning it around and you got to kind of steer those big stabilizers through there. And I thought to myself on numerous occasions doing that, like, man, this is, this is kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah. Yes. I think it's going to be super valuable one. If I get that shot, I think I'll be worth carrying it. But there were times where I was like, man, this sucks, like crawling with this and, you know, trying to snake it through cover and it's getting hung up on stuff. You know, uh, my buddy, Brian Barney, he, he's a he's a Western hunter, like one of the best bow hunters in the world. There's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the guy is just so lethal, um, but he he chooses to rig his bow out like that with the really long stabilizers a very heavy bow. And to him, it's like, I, it's worth it to me to have that and to carry that so that when I do get that high pressure shot, my bow is, it's heavy, it's not jittery, it's not moving and it balances well and I can just execute a better shot. When I totally get that mindset. But then, you know, there's other guys that, uh, there's another guy I know that's just as lethal as Brian and he doesn't use any stabilizer. Uh, he just uses a completely bare bow hunts the same type of stuff and his, he's more like no i want something that's light that i can carry that's maneuverable and no i can't shoot a hundred yards like this like i can with maybe a full stabilized setup but i can shoot it like this and you know what am i what am i giving up to gain and you know vice versa so that's what i've been doing more recently, um, just in the basement outside when we got some good weather, is just stripping everything off, except I'm keeping one stabilizer out front, but I'm only putting one ounce. And the only reason I even have it is so I can set it on the ground and my sight doesn't go in the dirt. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the only reason it's not doing any stabilization. But um, so I'm just seeing like, you know, how good can I shoot without this? And I'm still putting them in the vitals at a hundred yards with that. It might not be, you know, a super tight group all the time, but I'm getting groups like that. And then, you know, occasionally, yeah, I get one a little high up towards the spine or, you know, back in the liver. And it's like, okay, but I'm not really going to be shooting animals at that. One thing I did notice is that with my stabilized setup and that heavy bow, you know, let's say this is the circle and this is my pin you know, the movement is kind of like this. It's slow and rhythmic and it just kind of goes up and down. You know, to me, that's very relaxing. Uh, you know, and I just execute my shot and the shot breaks and it's it's there. Well, when you take all that weight off, I notice it's more like this, you know? I'm getting more of a, jitty, a jittery kind of, it leaves quick, but it's back just as quick and it's, the pin float isn't any more, it's just quicker. Mm -hmm. So if I can wrap, wrap my brain around that, like, Hey, the pins and it's not going anywhere. It's still there. Just execute the shot. And you almost don't even notice like when it leaves because it's back so quick. And I'm starting to realize like, Hey, that's, 
that's actually a pretty calm sight picture too because you don't i'm not even noticing it when it leaves so it's not like i'm you know waiting to execute it's just kind of like it's just kind of in there so i think that's what i'm going to do over the next several months is test that um and because i do do other hunting other hunting where i'm on the ground and i am crawling and i am sneaking and it'd be nice to have something that's a little more maneuverable and if i can shoot you know if i can shoot long distances without a big stabilized setup and it's adequate and you know i weigh the pros and cons of carrying something that's a little lighter a little more maneuverable you know i could sneak around with better i mean maybe that's something i go with sure. so give and take my, my brain yeah my brain's always doing this you know it's always doing this and thinking about okay you know i want to hunt bear from the ground and i want to hunt axis deer from the ground and an antelope and it's like okay yes i might get a long shot at an axis deer but you know carrying you know my bow around with all that stabilization for eight hours is is hard you know your arm gets tired and then it's like okay then i draw back and my shoulders tired from carrying it you know am i at my best yeah no there's a lot of things that you know that my brain likes to think about and i just like to try new things so um that's kind of that's kind of what i did this past year i had more of a lighter quicker I want to, I say long range, even though I wasn't like going out there intending on long range shots, but I was thinking more of like those hunts where, you know, a coos deer hunting in Arizona or a mule deer hunt or, you know, the axis deer or something there where you might get one that's out 40, 50, 60 versus the verdicts where I had more of that strong short range and reach out if I need to, but more of that powerful more maneuverable tree stand ground hunting setup and and that, those are the kind of two that i ran and i practiced with them on and off so i felt very comfortable switching back and forth but that that's kind of where i ended up going into the season and i uh, was super happy with both very confident with both yep now 70 pounds is that is that what weight you're running yeah i i usually get the 70 pound mods and then i'll usually twist them up so a lot of times what I'll do is I'll get the 29 and a half inch mods, which actually when that bow's in spec, they measure 29.75. And then I'll twist the weight up a little bit to get to like 72, 73, which I, which I really like. And then that stretches it out to just about 30. Gotcha. So that's kind of my wheelhouse. That's where I feel comfortable. Um, but yeah, that's what I was running. And then do you, I got notes here, sorry. Um, let's see, you hit on draw length, 70, 73 pounds, strings. Do you do the factory zebras or are you an aftermarket string guy? So um, I, I've never had, I've never had too much of an issue with the zebra strings that I can say. I mean, yes they stretch a little um like i'll i'll set my bow up i'll shoot the strings in i'll set them up to 72 pounds or whatever and i'll shoot and then i'll throw it on the scale like a month later and they're like 69 you know and and, and you know it's it's there's some stretch there there's no doubt about it and that's even after thousands and thousands of shots but then i usually twist them up again and then get it to back to where i want and they usually hold 
Um, so I haven't really felt the need to do that. But what I did do um, with my traverse, I still have a traverse uh, in my verdicts. Um, when those strings were kind of done, like towards the end of their life, I bought aftermarket strings and I bought them from my buddy's dad um, in Missouri. He, he makes some really good strings. So I had him make some and those, you know, those seemed to be a little bit better quality. They didn't stretch as much. Um, very good, very sharp looking strings. So I was happy with those. Um, I've, I've never used them. I've heard good things about the gas strings and I haven't, I don't have my lift yet. My Matthews lift, um, it's supposed to be coming, but, um, supposedly they have some new strings called match strings that are supposed to be better quality. So we'll see, but yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Those zebra strings, you know, you can shoot them in a hundred, 200 arrows and kind of get them settled. But if you, I, I check my weight routinely and, you know, it, they move around and I don't know if it's, if it's more with uh, temperature or what, because I, what I started doing last year, I have a little kind of a little archery room downstairs where I work on my stuff. And I started writing down the poundage every time I checked it throughout the year. And I would check it like every two months and it'd be like 72.9, 71.2, 69. 70.1 and it's, I mean it's kind of like doing this 40 yards 50 yards and in yeah not gonna notice a whole lot you know you're gonna still gonna be in those vitals but you notice it at 100 oh yeah without a you minute. notice it you you drop two pounds at 100 and all of a sudden you're hitting at the bottom of the 3d target and you're like what in the world you know and you don't really understand why um another thing that I noticed and I don't know if this is a string issue or if it's just an issue in general, this is a, this is a really good tip that a guy that knows more about bow tuning and bow building than, than me, he gave me, but, um, I told him, I was like, you know, I don't know what it is. Like I get my, my sight tape all dialed. I mean, it is dialed to the half yard, just money. And then out of the blue, like, you know, a month later, two weeks later, I'll come out and I'll shoot and I'm hitting like two inches low three inches low at 70, like consistently, you know, my group was up here and now it's down here. And it's like, you know, and he said, D are you having some serving separation? And I was looked at it. I was like, no. And he's like, no, it'd be under the D loop. He's like, cut your D loop off and see. So I cut my D loop off. And then that bottom knot on the D loop, there's like a gap in my serving, you know? And I'm like, yeah, there is. So he's like, bring it in. And he's like, you know, we'll, we'll reserve it. You know, so I brought it in and he used some different materials, some, uh, I think it was Halo. And uh, we reserved it and, um, you know, got everything lined back up and, you know, everything was back to normal. So that that's something right there that, that it's kind of like hidden underneath, but it can move and it can really impact that. I don't think guys really see it shooting at 30, 40 yards, but that's why I like practicing at long ranges because i i see those little things that change immediately yes you know whether it's in my form whether it's in the bow itself whether it's a drop in poundage whether it's that serving separation whether it's the cam coming out of time a little bit like i see it and then it's like okay let's figure this out and fix it but th but that's why i'm 
that's why I'm able to, you know, shoot accurately that far. And that's why that gives me confidence being able to shoot like that. And I have extreme confidence once you get 40 yards and in, of course. you know, yep. those, that, that real attention to detail, but I'm, it's also the way my brain works. I have friends and I'm sure you do too. Well, I know you do. Cause you told me about one of them, but I have friends that literally don't touch their bow <laughs> and uh, yeah. they, they don't touch their bow. I mean, it goes in the case right after season and it doesn't come out until maybe if they're lucky a week before they might shoot a couple arrows and be like, Oh, we're good. You know, shoot it at 20. And man, those guys are killers. They are, you know, yep. they're killers. And, and they just use the tried and true. Their string looks like a squirrel chewed on it for a week. <laughs> and uh, I'm just so Dust on the site. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when I see it, I'm just like, Oh my God, like it's driving me nuts, you know, with my OCD brain, but Hey man, it, it works for them. This works for me. Yep. At least I think it does. So yeah, that's just kind of how I kind of how I run with it. But that's where I ended up last year with those those two setups. And I like to have I I'm really glad that I started getting two both set up because um it's happened to me twice in the last five years where I had like a an equipment failure and I if I didn't have another bowl set up and ready to go, I would have been out, you know, for a few days or a week or whatever. Yeah, in fact, it, it, it oh, can be it can be critical, critical. Oh yeah. In, in fact, when I drive, when I go on hunts, when I drive, I take both, and it it, it helped me in uh, in Nebraska uh, three years ago. Um, I had some issues with with one of my bows. It was just I don't know. Why. It was dead on when I got when I left, and when I got there, I missed a buck, uh, a nice mule deer. I missed him, and I was just like what in the world? Like I was right on him. Like I wasn't even that nervous. I was just dead steady. He was standing there and I was like, gosh, did he jump the string? Well, I saw the deer run off and he runs down this, this drainage. And then he goes up into this, this other little coulee. And I knew where he was. And I was like, oh shoot, he's half mile away. I know where he's at. I'm going to give him some time. I'm going to go kill him. And I was like, but something's not right so i walked i hiked all the way back to the truck i was a good mile and i threw out my my block target and i shot and i was hitting like eight inches high mm. and i i have no idea why and and i had this deer bedded i knew where he was and it's like i don't i don't have time to sight this in you know so i grabbed my other bow you know i shot one shot at 50 yards put it in the little white dot and i took off you know and i got on him so I mean, right there, you know, it saved me. I don't know what, I don't know what happened, but something happened. And I've had that, I have that, I've had things move and, you know, you can't quite explain it, you know, in the heat of the moment, uh, heat of the moment, you need to get it back to a press or something like that. So it's, it's nice to have a backup ready to go. No, for sure. For sure. Uh, let's see. So strings, that's one thing. One point is I've got a buddy that works at Matthew's. And he said 90% of the warranty work they get back is from guys putting aftermarket strings on their bows that aren't in tolerance to what they are in spec. And it causes cams to uh, bend and, and some other issues. And so mm -hmm. I think you got to be careful with aftermarket strings to be sure it's a, 
it's a, a company or a brand that, that has the same tolerances, the same specs as yeah. what, what the bow manufacturer has. Um, just, just yeah. one point to lay out there. Um, peep, you, what peep are you running? What size peep? What kind? Um, it's, uh, oh gosh. Oh, is it, uh, five sixteenths? Is that, is well, that three sound right? Yeah, three, three, three or five sixteenths. Yeah, I can't remember that. I'm trying to remember the exact size. It's not an eighth. It's not a fourth. It's the one right in between. Yep. Um, I, th I want to say it's three sixteenths, maybe five sixteenths. Maybe that sounds more right. But yeah, right in there. Um, that's seems to marry up with my site housing really well. I like that picture. It kind of like they kind of eclipse each other. Um. I, so on my Traverse, I've ran that total peep for years. And that's one of those bigger, bulkier ones. It's kind of like, you know, yep. it's kind of similar to the Hamski Raptor peep. Um, it's low glare, kind of gives it more of like a cylindrical look. It, very accurate, um, very accurate. But I do feel like, it, and one thing about that peep in general, it's like, it it, it kind of the, the front side of the peep goes in and then the back side of the peep goes out and then there's the the circle in the middle so it gives you a little bit of if your peep is slightly rotated one way or another it doesn't really impact that that middle part because oh, yeah, it's, yeah. You, you get what i'm saying so because it's kind of flared out a little bit so if your string does stretch you go from you know you go from Michigan and it's 30 degrees and you fly down to South Texas and it's whatever, 90, Mexico, you know, 80 degrees. And all of a sudden these big temperature changes, you might get it. You might get there and your peeps turned a little and that's string stretch. And uh, it, it was designed so that your peep could be a little bit off center, but it's not going to impact your accuracy. Um, I really like that peep. The downside I think is when you get into those last low light. Yeah. Last five minutes, it's, it's, it's dimmer than your standard peep. That's, you know, only that wide. Um, so again, pluses and minuses, like if you were going to say, Andy, you know, you're going to antelope hunting in Wyoming, I'm going to have that total peep on there. Um, very, very accurate. Great. You know, in broad daylight. Great. Um, I have no problem whitetail hunting with it. Um, a lot of guys use it. A lot of guys use that Raptor peep. Um, and then the other one I, um, the other one I use, I want to say it's a, a carbon one from Octane. I think it's called Octane. Uh, it's, it's like the lightest peep on the market. Um, and that's more just like a standard looking peep. And what's different about it, like from like the G5 meta peep or something, it's, it's lighter. You know, yeah. it's like a few grains lighter. So I, I, I gravitated towards it. It had, had good reviews. It's made out of carbon. It's, it weighs nothing. And I was just thinking it more of terms of like, you know, trying to decrease some of the weight on my string. Sure. And, you know, that thing's fine. I've never had an issue with it. You know, more light gets in because it's just kind of a standard looking peep. And uh, that's, that's what I have on my phase four. That's what I have on my verdicts. Gotcha. Um, 
nose or kisser button? Nose button, kisser button, or you just go straight Pete? I have a uh, nose button on my face for on the one that's kind of the one that I kind of have more set up for that, you know, kind of a more longer range. I, I wanted to really see if I felt like that made a big difference. I can't say that it, I can't say that it does because the, the, the most accurate, I feel the, the most accurate bow I've ever felt like I had. And it's the same exact axle to axle as that face four was my traverse. And I never put a nose button on that. And I ran through two days of total archery challenge. Um, I mean, you're talking, you know, anywhere from 40 to 120 yard shots, technical shots through timber, you know, steep angles. And, and I never missed. And not, not once in two days. And and I didn't have a nose button. I just touched my nose to the string. And um, so... I mean, it, it might help some people, especially people that kind of tend to come off the string or come out of their peep a little bit. You, you know, you start pull. some people pull and they start bringing their head back. It does give you a little bit of input. I just don't think that I do that. Yeah. So I don't know that it, I don't know that it helps me as much as it might to some. I don't really love, I don't, personally, I don't really like a kisser button because I don't want anything making contact with my face. Um, if anything, what I have done, and I don't, I don't have it on any of these bowls, but I have done it is where your kisser button would be. I would tie, um, just get a little tiny bit of serving and I would tie a little square knot facing my face so that when I drew back, I just felt that little, yep. just that little tickle. So I knew, um, I, I, I don't like anything touching my face even though those kisser buttons, sometimes they can just barely touch, but I just don't like it. Anything that could, you know, as it's leaving my face, hit a whisker or hit my lip, or I just, I just try to stay away from it. Um, so I haven't used those in years. Yep. Makes good sense. Uh, let's see. Rest. Are you still doing the hamski or have you changed from that or? Um, I have the hamski on my verdicts. I have the QAD on my phase four and my traverse. Uh, I, I love that full capture on the QAD. It's it's hard for me to get away from that. Um, I think the Hamskies is more well-built. I think it's gonna be more reliable. Um, if I was gonna go hunt, if I was gonna hunt late season and I knew I was gonna be in some really cold temperatures, maybe some, you know, some snow, you know, is going to get on my rest. Uh, you know, I, I have way more confidence in that, in that Hamski. Um, there was, there was a time where I had that QAD freeze up on me, but it was also like a situation where it was like, I almost never find myself in, you know, it was, a, you know, kind of like freezing drizzle as I'm out there. My, my bow is getting coated with, with ice. Um, yeah. And it, <laughs> it froze. Like I went to go flip it down at the end of the hunt and it didn't go down. You know, it was, it was, it was stuck. So if I would have shot, it would have, you know, who knows what would have happened. Um, I've had one supposedly, freeze too, Kansas. I had one freeze. That's why I switched to the Hamski. Is yeah. I, I had yeah. one freeze as well. Same, same type situation. There, there's a lot to be said for that. You know, there is, um, I like that full capture of the QAD, you know, I can, 
do that. That's a, it's a huge benefit, especially when you're on the ground. And I got my, you know, a lot of times I'm crawling or I'm down and my bow is horizontal, you know, and I like that it's just sitting there. And with that ham ski, it can come out of that cradle and it can sit on your riser and, you know, you know, you can felt it up a little bit there, put a little pad so you're not making noises, but, you know, just a little more bouncing around the arrow potentially. Um, I did see QADs coming out with another one that's supposed to be stronger, some, some more robust parts. So I'm kind of interested in, in testing that one out, but that ham ski is tough to beat. It really is. Um, so yeah, I run both. Those are those are kind of my top two. Yep. All right. Uh sight. I have actually seen, and you probably have, I guess I've been living in a cave. Option archery has this. You've seen these, it's a single pin, but then they have a window you can close that has your other pins in it. I've never yep, seen one. one. You have one. Yeah. Do I you do. like it? Yeah. Um, it's actually not on a bow right now. I just picked it up like a month ago. I, it's the cop of the new one called the Canyon pounder. Um, possibly the, I mean, them and HHA, probably the best built site I've ever held in my hand. Um, I mean, you could just tell, I mean, this thing is high and it is robust. It is Full of adjustment, but super, super sturdy. Um, and the innovation in it is is awesome. Yeah, you know? yeah that, that's I'd never seen them. I saw them at the uh, ATA show, and I was like, "Man, this this basically solves everything." Yeah, you got a slider one pin, but then yeah. if you're in a, a funky situation, you can close that window, and then you you can have two, three, four, five, however many pins you want to have in there that are fixed and ready to go. So it, man, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. As, as far as like, if you, if, if you're trying to think about, you know, I think about this a lot, like, you know, the, the sight picture that I like and what I shoot most accurate is not the same as what I think is the most versatile in a hunting situation. I mean, for me personally, those are two different things. Um, I, I can shoot a single vertical pin way better than I can shoot any horizontal pin. I just can. I don't know why. My eyes like the, the vertical post. They like one pin at the top. I mean, I can do a double vertical, fine. But I like seeing that open picture around and just one post going right up the back of the leg. I shoot that really well. And you start throwing on horizontal pins. And what I notice is, you know, my groups start to go like this. They start to get a little wider. Up and down isn't really affected, but like I get a little more left, a little more right, still in the vitals usually, but it's hard for me to let go of like that really high level accuracy and, and accept less accuracy, but more functionality. So sometimes I have a hard time with that, but that, that option site it is so versatile. Um, and you're right. Like you can have that door shut and you're good at, you know, however many pins I think I have, I have, I think I have the five pins so 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. So I'm good. You know, anything inside 60 yards, I don't have to adjust. I'm good to go. But say I want to go to a total archery challenge or I'm archery hunting antelope where one's at 65 or 70 and you feel comfortable taking that shot. I can flip that open 
dial the 70 and I got that single pin. The only negative for me, and it's not a negative for everybody, is that horizontal. I don't, yeah. I don't love it. I don't love it. Um, but the the benefit of that, of having that versatility, might outweigh the small amount of accuracy I'm going to gain with a vertical single pin. It might, and that's why I bought it because I wanted to test it out. I wanted to try it. The pins are are bright. They're awesome in low light. Um, the, I got the 0 0.10 size pins, perfect for me. Um, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it is. And what's what's really neat about it is, if you wanted to, there's two spots for um, sight tapes. So there's one on the inside, there's one on the outside. If you wanted to, you could run a sight tape for a light arrow setup. You could run a sight tape for a heavy arrow setup. As long as they have that same outside diameter, yeah, and the same knock, you know, they and you get them to you know shooting a good bullet hole. You you potentially could do that. It'd be a little confusing, but um, what they what it what it, I think what it was intended for is the one side is for using um, the single pin, and then the other side is using your bottom pin. Yeah, yeah, when you have the window closed, right. Yeah. Yeah. If you wanted to, you know, instead of shooting a hundred, you, you wanted to shoot one thirty for some reason. So, um, it is, it's kind of cool that it, you can do that. Um, so I have one, it, it'll be on a bow this off season and I will be shooting it and, and putting it through its paces. I've already had it on a bow. It's just not on one right now. Um, I shot it, you know, quite a bit in the fall in the backyard and, and I loved it. Um, little heavy, not spot hog heavy, but not like, not black gold light. You know, right. it's, yep. it's robust. It's well built. Um, I also have right now is that Alter View slider. Yeah. And that thing is, man, <laughs> the sights are just, they're incredible. Um, that thing is, it may be, in some ways, ergonomically, the way it functions, the way the lock is, that dial, it might be my favorite. I mean, it's just so smooth. That dial is it's small. You can run two side tapes. Um it, it's it's just incredible. I mean, it's so well built. You can tell it's super durable. The, the downside of that one is a pretty big downside for me, is the pins are not very bright. Mm. Um you get in a low light, they are very dim. But what UltraView does have, it has a built-in light that comes with the sight. And it's, you literally, you hit a button and it lights up. And then there's a dimming button or a brightening button. It can go bright, 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 dim, dim, dim. And it, it really lights them up. So they, I think they knew that their pins were a little a little dull and they they give you that light option which is really nice it's not like an add-on i mean it, i think it is an add-on maybe a battery but it's it's in the site like you don't sure. see it um so incredible site i'm gonna be testing that one out too um i would just say you know next year when they when they make some improvements just put some more fiber optic around so that you don't have to use the light necessarily in low light um you know there's there, i think there might even be some states where you can't use a light um 
But last year I ran the, on my verdicts, I ran the black gold dual track. Um, I still have that. And then on my phase four, I ran the HHA Tetra Rise, which has the two, uh, both of those sites have the two vertical pin. Yep, that, I ran know, the dual track this year, the dual yep. track, and I, and I like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's awesome, especially if you like a vertical site picture. Now, I mean, I, I, do you, you do you handcuff yourself a little bit, you know, if you want to shoot out past 30? I mean, not, I mean, not really, but I mean, if, you, if you're getting to like 35, 40 or beyond, I mean, you're going to have to range, you're going to have to dial. That stuff takes time. And the more, the more I hunt like other things like hogs that are constantly moving or, you know, axis deer or antelope or elk, the, the more I hunt different things, the more I realize like, some critters move a lot between this, 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 that, you know, and then executing your shot. Like they could be, they could be five, 10, seven yards difference. Absolutely. So it, there's a benefit to having a 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, that's just ready to go. You know, um, there's a benefit there, but there's also a benefit to just having that one single pin that you like in that sight picture and you feel super confident in it. So I just tell people like, shoot what makes most sense to what, with what you're hunting. If you're like me, if you're like Joe that likes to hunt other species, you know, sometimes what was perfect for whitetail might not be perfect for, you know, other things. I think about elk, you know, like, you know, how many times have I, you know, seen an elk coming and, you know, I ranged and he's at 40 and I come and then next thing you know, he's at, he's at 15 or vice versa. You draw at 20 and then he's out there at 40 or whatever you think he is. And you have to let down range, you know, all that stuff is, it takes time. And those are critical moments. So you just got to weigh it out for yourself. Like I can't tell you what the right thing to do is or to use because it's going to be different for you. That's right. You're you're gonna value things differently than what I value. Like I've I've always had a real precision mindset, so it's hard for me to get away from the setup that gives me the most precision. But I think that can hurt me in some scenarios where things happen fast, and I need to get a, a you know a quick range and a quick draw and a quick shot off. You know, in those types of situations, maybe it's better to have a multi-pin where you're not you know, cranking that thing down, looking at it, check. I mean, some of these ones, um, and my eyes are getting bad. Like some of these sites, like the, the, uh, the option one, um, I mean, the, the, the site tapes are, they're fine, but the, the way they're laid out, it's like the yardages are very, very close together. You know, they're like, the lines are like, they look like they're almost touching. So, when I'm looking down, say I'm shooting at, you know, in my backyard, I'm shooting at a, a 3D target that's whatever, 100 yards. And I'm, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, it's blurry. And I'm I'm like really taking the time there. And that might not impact me, but it might in a low light whitetail scenario. You're like, you see one coming, he's at 35 or something. And you might have a site that's like that. And you're trying to crank it and you're looking and. Um, it's hard for me to see where what I like about the HHA 
I love this. It's it's on a wheel. So the yardages are more gapped. Yep. You know, so there's a clear difference between 49 and 50. And I can see it. I can like physically see it. Mm -hmm. So I can crank it. And, or maybe at a hundred yards, like, you know, you shoot up a hundred yards. If, if your thing is at 99.5, you're hitting at the bottom of the 3d target, Sure. you know? And, but if I'm at, if I'm at a hundred, I'm right in there. So sometimes those ones that are real close together or, you know, it's low light, you're looking and you're just, for me personally, my eyes are getting bad. So there's some things there that I like really like about the HHA and they just came out with uh, the rise three, which is a three pin, which I'm looking really hard at. And it's a three pin, it's horizontal, but you can independently adjust all three and it's got three pointers. So you could set it at 20, set it at 30, set it at 40, you know, and then you got three ready to go. And I, I'm really partial to HHA. I love the way they're built. They're not, they're not the heaviest on the market by any means. Their pins are probably the best. Um, and I really like that wheel. So I don't know. I like, as you can see, I like trying out. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and, and you'll, you'll fall in love with, you know, one of them or, or, or you'll stick with what you got, but you gotta, yeah. you've got a standard and you've got a baseline, right? Mm -hmm. and, and always looking for improvements. Yeah. Yep. All right. Last, last one. I know we, we've been going for a little over an hour here. Um, knocks and fletchings. Yeah. So, um, I actually, I changed both of those this year. I got away from, in, in no reason other than I was just shooting so good. Um, I did not go to my lighted knocks this year. I, I like lighted knocks. Um, I shoot them well. I think they're a huge benefit um, in the woods as far as like seeing where you impact. Um, but I did not switch to them this year because I was shooting so well with, the arrows that I had. Um, and I just, I was just like, I'm, I'm putting them in there, you know, every time I just don't want to change. Sure. You know, so I didn't. And I, I just ran with, you know, just kind of standard knocks this year. Um, there were times where, you know, I shot an animal and I was like, gosh, where did I, you know, where did I hit them? Because I do like, when you see that lighted knock, you see it tracking through the air and then you see it disappear. It gives you that, that visual input of, of where that hit. Like you have a, a really good idea, like, okay, I'm back a little, or that was a little high. Cause you see right where it disappears and you don't have that, you know, especially like in lower light or, you know, under a canopy always, you know, with a, with a standard. Um, so I, I stayed with the standard knocks. Um, the fletching, what I did change to this year is I went to those tack veins, those 2.75 driver. Yep. Um, I had, I had tried those before, um, like a year or two ago and I gave up on them because I was shooting, I was blowing through my target and it was ripping the veins off. And I was like, well, oh, that sucks. You know, I don't want to have to reflush my arrows every time. Well, then I watched a few more videos and I found out, okay, I wasn't using a primer pen. Yeah, it's sort of a pain in the butt, but they have a primer pen and you're supposed to prime that base and then immediately put their glue on it. So it's like one, 
two, and it, it activates something. So I did that. I gave them another try, and they hold really well. Like you can't pull them off. Um, they're much lighter than just about anything. Um, they're they're kind of like the same, like in that same ballpark weight as like my heat veins, but there's more steering. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, very quiet, very quiet, um, really durable. Like I have a, a hay bale back here and I can shoot them. Sometimes they kind of blow through and then the fletchings inside the hay bale, like by the time I get down there and I pull it out and they're like, they're kind of all deformed, you know, they're like bent over and folded. But by the time I walk back out of the house, they're just back. That's, cool. you know, it's, yeah, they just kind of like morph back into the, the normal shape. So I'm really happy with them. Um, it's lowered my, because I was using those, um, they're the uh, Max Hybrid, AAE Max Hybrid, um, which I love those. They steer really well, but they're kind of heavy. You know, they're like nine, eight point something a, a piece, I want to say, but these these ones are like four a piece. So like I, I dropped a significant amount of grains, um, off the back end of the arrow with the same amount of steering with quiet, you know, quiet flight. And what I did like about them is that they, they steer my mechanicals fine, which I knew they would, but I can also throw that little fixed head on there, like a trocar or that day six or, um, evolution makes a fixed head. That's called the Jekyll. Um, I can throw those on there and they, they fly just great. So yeah. it's the, it's the tack veins. It's the, it's called the driver. And I, I, there's a, they make a 2.25 and a 2.75. And I, I tried those, the longer ones. 2.75. So. What about the Q2s? Have you met, is that a, have you tried those? Yep. Yep. I have a bunch of those downstairs. That's what I used. Uh, five, six, seven years ago. Uh, um, they they are really good. They're really good too. Um, they're great. I have the um I can't remember if it's the two. So the 2.1, I think, is like uh they they're shaped like a blazer. I have some of those. I used them. They flew fixed heads well, maybe a little loud. Um, and then they had the 2.0, which was like a very low profile shield cut. Those were really good for mechanicals did not steer my fixed heads well. Um, and then my favorite one was the three inch one. And there's, it's kind of like a low profile three inch vein. So they're, they're kind of long, but they're, sh they're shorter. Um, and I'd put a helical on those, just a three fletch and those, those steered my, my mechanicals. Well, they steered my fixed heads. Well, I just got away from them because I just started trying other things and yep. maybe just, uh, no real reason that I didn't go back. I wasn't unhappy with them. I think they're great. They have a lot of different offerings and sizes. I think anyone that uses those would be super happy. Yeah. Yeah. I've messed with yeah. those a little bit this year. I, you know, I'd always been heat, heat, heat. And, um, yeah. you know, again, why did I change just to yeah. mess around and, and see yeah. some stuff? <laughs> yeah. Well, good, man. Well, I appreciate you taking this time in the middle of your day to do this. Um, it's actually, this is going to air tomorrow. So 
Lucas oh, has got his, his work cut out for him this afternoon to get all this uploaded and ready to go. But, man, I appreciate it, Andy, as always, a wealth of knowledge, and, and we appreciate you taking your time and coming on and doing this. Yeah, this was fun, man. I appreciate it. Anytime you need me, let me know. All right, buddy. Thank you so much, guys. We appreciate you listening. Any combat comments or feedback, let us know.